Hi, I'm Robert Reeson. Welcome back to the CEO Show. We're here today with Dr. Laura Katena. How are you? I'm very well, Robert, and you pronounce my name perfectly. And, and well, that's because you are now. Here's the part of pronunciation we change. I was going to say the CEO of Katena Zapata Winery, but I know you don't like the title of CEO because you like to get your hands dirty and you like more managing director. Yes, yes. This is a great company. I mean, it was it was founded by her great grandfather in 1902. Talk about what the organization is because you're completely reinventing the perception and the reality of wines from Argentina. Yes, well, it was started by my great grandfather. You know, he was one more immigrant to Argentina, going with his little suitcase, arrived to Argentina, had to work a bit to make some money, then went to Mendoza, which is the main wine producing region. It's like our California. And he planted his first vines in 1902. And his dream was to have a vineyard, make wine, and raise a family in Argentina. That, those were really rough times in Europe. And there was more opportunity in Argentina. And Argentina had very advantageous immigrant policies where, uh, you know, they would give land to immigrants and things like that. And so he started the winery. Then my grandfather, uh, who I call Nonno, because in Italian, you call your grandfather Nonno, uh, continued the family winery, planted more vineyards. He had several uh, different wineries making wine, but he was mostly selling wine in barrels that were sent to Buenos Aires, the capital, and somebody else was bottling it and selling it. And when my father came along, he has a PhD in economics. He studied in Argentina and at Columbia University. He said, well, this is ridiculous. We need to have our own brands, you know, do our own uh, commercial uh, undertaking, you know, our own sales. And he started selling uh, his own brands in Argentina, you know, high-end wines, but also some table wine, planting more vineyards. But then he had this great realization when he came to California that he wanted to start exporting. And that's when it gets really, really interesting and where I come in. And where you come in is very different because you went to Harvard and then Stanford and you became a doctor. Yes. And really you're in the emergency rooms in America. And then yes. you come back. what did you learn there and what inspired you to, to come back to the family business? Yes, yes. So, you know, growing up, I spent time with my grandfather. I was basically in the winery all day. You know, today you would not allow a child to walk into a winery because, you know, there's a wine and it's a potentially dangerous. But, you know, when I was a kid, I would get the dog and go see my grandfather and, you know, walk by the tank and somebody would shout, you know, be careful, don't fall into the tank. And literally, I was there in the winery with my dog. Um, and um, today, Actually, I go with my kids, but but wineries are actually dangerous. You, you shouldn't have kids running around. But back to how do I go from emergency medicine to wine is that when I went to the U.S., I, we came to the U.S. during the military government in Argentina. You know, many of you have seen Argentina in the news recently. Uh, we have this new president that wants to go all free market. And let's see how that goes. But uh, when I was a kid, there was a military government, which is actually terrible. So I do, do not want military government. And I'm happy with any democratic government that gets elected in Argentina. I'm for them, whatever their tendency is. So we had this military government. My uncle had been kidnapped. It was quite dangerous. There were bombs, kidnappings. You know, I would literally walk to the corner and there was somebody with a machine gun at the corner. So my father got a bit concerned. He said, we're going to go to the U.S., he was, he was invited to be a visiting scholar at Berkeley. 
This is when I'm uh, 14 years old. We get to Berkeley. Imagine I go from military government in Argentina where you uh, weren't allowed to wear mini skirts. Uh, you couldn't have bangs, you know, very, very formal. Uh, you couldn't talk in the hallways, you know, very, very strict school. Even if it was a normal school, it was a military government. So everything was formal. And then I, I walk into Berkeley, California, you know, where you can do basically anything you want. You know, you can go to school in a bathing suit if you want, practically. Uh, so I get to Berkeley and my father himself, he goes to Napa just as a visitor. And all of a sudden he sees that in California, Mr. Mondavi and other people think that they can challenge the French for the number one spot in wine. And you might have heard of the Judgment of Paris, which is this famous tasting where the California wines beat the best French wines. And, you know, the French don't like to talk about this, but this is a fact. It happened and the judges were French and the California wines won. And so my father said, hey, if these Californians have the guts to challenge the French, why not me in Argentina? And so he goes back and starts this revolution. But I haven't answered your question yet, Robert. <laughs> so I studied biology at Harvard. Uh, and then I think my father was initially very excited. He thought, okay, biology, wine, this is all connected. And then I uh, dropped the bomb that I wanted to be a doctor. And actually, my father was upset, which I didn't know any people whose parents were upset when they said, I want to be a doctor, you know, because it's it's such a beautiful profession. But I wanted to help people. I wanted to be a traveling doctor, you know, going around the world, saving people. And I thought, who am I going to save with wine back then? And so I said, I want to be a doctor and I loved emergency medicine. And I went on, on that career path. But meanwhile, my father, who had not given up on me working with him, he invited me to go to France with him as his translator, because I also almost minored in, in French at Harvard. I took many classes in French. I, I love the French language, French literature. And so I went with him to France as his translator, and I fell in love with wine as a consumer. So then I had finished medical school. I'd finished my residency. I had my first job as an emergency physician in Los Angeles. And my father asked me to go to this tasting by the wine spectator called the New York Wine Experience. And I arrived to this tasting as the first South American winery invited. This is 1995, which seems like a long time ago, but it's not that long ago. Nobody knew South American wine, definitely not Argentinian wine. And I walk in there to this very fancy tasting with all the famous California, you know, Opus One, the famous French, uh, you know, Lafitte, the first growths, and I have my little booth and people are walking by and not even tasting my wine because they say, oh, you know, Argentinian wine, nobody knows this. And I literally called my father that day and I said, Papa, I'm coming to work with you because you need a lot of help. This is, is a, a, an impossible dream that you have. And I really went to work with my dad to help him. The same reason I'd gone into medicine to help somebody. And ever since then, I've been working with my father. And it's is really the greatest gift. And, and so here's a big question. You have all of these philosophies, but one of them is that even though you're an A student, you accept B minus. Oh. And B minus <laughs> is a good place to go in business, right? Yes, yes. Well, I want to explain this a little more, more clearly. And, and it actually works for parenting as well. So the idea of the B minus is that, you know, in any field, uh, you have your A plus activities. There's things that you must do well because, uh, you know, otherwise, you, you know, you shouldn't have that job. So, for example, as a physician, I have to be an A plus physician. You know, I have to look at the, the, the patient, the chart. You know, I can't 
not analyze the, the lab work correctly. Um, however, in, in business, you need to decide which are A plus activities and which are B minus activities because you cannot do everything A plus. And if you try to do everything A plus, you end up doing everything B or C. And uh, you need the A pluses. And the only way to get the A pluses is to accept the B minuses. So for example, you know, in the winery, we are sometimes working on new projects. So we have our Malbec has to be A plus. You know, we are known for Malbec. You know, we have the Adriana Vinos de Parcela. These are 100-point wines, the first 100-point wines from Argentina. These wines come from these tiny little parcels. We do research on these little parcels for years and years and years until we figure out exactly what do we need to do in the vineyard, what cover crops, how to prune the vines, how to do the winemaking. We do hundreds of different micro-vinifications where it's, you take some grapes and you, you make a tiny production to see, did this skin contact work? Did this slightly warmer fermentation work? You, you, you try all these things to have the perfect wine because these are our top, top wines that we're known for. But let's say we're working on um, a natural wine project. Do you know what natural wines are, Robert? Without sulfates. Oh, you are an expert, Robert. Very good. So actually, all wine is natural, and I do not particularly like the term. But as you know, Robert, there is a tendency or there is a, a group of people who like wines without sulfites, which is actually, you know, a little bit wrong, the concept, because wine has natural sulfites. And even natural wines that are supposed to not have sulfates have some natural sulfites from the skin, but there's no added sulfites. And sulfites are added to prevent oxidation. Oxidation is when your wine, uh, you know, turns a little more towards Madeira or Sherry. So if you ever have a Chardonnay that's old and it turns kind of brown and, you know, it's a little bit old, like you, you can tell like, oh, it's not as fresh as I'm used to, that's oxidation. But the natural wine movement um, believes that you should not add sulfites. And that's how wines were made, you know, 200 years ago they didn't add sulfites and, and wines were delicious. So you can make delicious wines. So the, the Natural Wine Project is a project we have. We make some really spectacular wines, Bonarda, Malbec. We make this wine called Crioja, delicious wines. Now, am I going out there and doing tastings all over the country, you know, uh, um, doing everything, going to, to every wine tasting of natural wines? No, because that's not my core business. But we have these beautiful natural wines. They're poured in many restaurants in Argentina, they're not widely exported because to widely export something, you have to put all your energy into that, you know, commercial, the marketing, you know, you need to be mostly doing that. So, you know, the, the wine quality is A+, plus, but the the launch of the wine, the penetration of the market, I would say is a B-, minus because I don't have the time to be doing that and to be doing an A+, plus with the Malbec. Did I explain it? Wonderful explanation. <laughs> And we're about to take a commercial break. And when we come back, here's the one thing I suggest you do. There is this book called Gold in the Vineyards, which Laura wrote. This is the most fun book on wines you will ever read. And, and all of the pictures and everything. So I urge you to just go to, go to Amazon and, and get that book. And when we come back, we're going to hear about all sorts of things about what makes a grape wine and sustainability and culture and women in business, which as all of you know, that is my passion. Back in a few. Hi, this is Robert Reese back on the CEO show and we're with Laura Catena and that's actually Dr. Laura Catena. 
But so she is the one who is credited with, I think, really elevating all of Argentinian's wines to be premier. And she has fantastic books, like I mentioned, Gold in the Vineyards, Vino Argentino. And so here's a few things she's done, like her culture, she's built in flexibility. She's built in um, 20% more women at harvest in sustainability, which as you know, is my major studying in natural resources. Um, she has a new drip irrigation system. They are the number one best vineyard to visit. But really what I wanna ask you is, what is the secret to a successful business? Cause you're not the one who wants to be, even though you're leading the company to do the finances, to do the booking, the marketing, you wanna roll your sleeves up and make a great wine. That's your passion, right? Just like yeah. being a doctor, you wanted to help people. I actually do uh, participate in finances. And I'll tell you a story a little bit about that later because my father has a PhD in economics. And when I started working with him, he said, Laurita, listen, you're a biologist, a doctor, you know about winemaking, viticulture. I started the Catena Institute to do all this research. He said, that's great. You know so much about that. Selling wine, he said, well, you don't know that from studying it in school, but I'm going to teach you everything. And you're great at that already. You know, the art of differentiation. That was the core message from him. And he taught me that. But he always said to me, listen, finances, don't worry about that. I know how to do that. You don't have to get involved in finances. And then, you know, after I've been working with him for a while, I realized that if I didn't get involved in finances, I didn't know anything. And I couldn't do any of the other things because everything is a trade-off in, in a business. You know, do you spend your money in this or in that? And in the end, you need to make money because in order to do great things, you need money. Even to help people, you need money. So uh, I went to my father and I said, Papa, I've changed my mind. I do want to learn about finances. And I actually hired a person who for two years taught me finances. And we would meet several times a week and we would look at the, the profit, the, the loss, the investments, you know, how much does it cost to plant a vineyard, you know, um, the sales, the 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 contributions of each product. And today I am very finance focused, but I have to say to all CEOs and, and family uh, owners and, and all businesses out there that if you have somebody that you want them to, you know, go up to the managing director or CEO level, they must understand finance. And so you should not do what my father said, which was leave it to me. So just that one comment, Robert, because it, it is um, important. Um, but now back to what do you want to talk about? Women I, I and wine, sustainability. I want to talk about, I want to know one sentence, what makes a great wine, but then I want to okay. talk about women in business and advice. Okay. To okay. So what makes a great wine? And you might have heard the phrase, it comes from the vineyard. Well, it's actually true. That's why everybody says it. So to make a great wine, you must find a very special location. And the reason why I think so many great wines are made by families, and you know, the, the the wine business is really dominated by families, you know, smaller, bigger, lots of families. And it's because it takes a lot of patience and not needing to, you know, pay dividends to find these locations. So the Adriana Vineyard, which we planted in 1992, was one of, you know, hundreds of, of hectares that we've planted since 1902. But the Adriana Vineyard at 1500 uh, meters elevation, 5,000 feet elevation with this very particular soil structure, combination of plants that we planted there became the first 
Argentine wine, actually South American wine, to get 100 points from this very famous reviewer, Robert Parker. And this comes from the vineyard. There is nothing I, Laura Catera, or my family, or anybody that works in our winery could have done to create that without that special place. So what makes a great wine is a very special location and then not messing it up in the winery. So you do need to have the, the right technology, for example, temperature control. If you let the wine get really hot, you will lose a lot of the great aromatics and flavors. Uh, so you need some uh, good winemaking, you know, nice barrels, you know, barrels can be of different qualities, but really at the core is the vineyard. And in order to have found that location, you need to do a lot of trial and error, planting in many places to find uh, that wine. Did, did I answer the question, Robert? Absolutely. That was a <laughs> okay. PhD in winemaking. So now the final question is about women in business. Yes. As you know, yes. I am passionate that yes. I feel like we're 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 fighting an economic war with a hand tied behind our back because we have fifty percent of the talent is not necessarily being used. Yes, yes. 500 CEOs, now there's 53. I used to fight when we only had 25 and 27 women. That's still just 10%. Yes. What is, what is the secret of being a woman leader yes. that you find? Because you have a unique yes. personality. There's no <laughs> question about it. Everything you do, your writing, your thinking, your your joy, your kind. Even though it's the radio, you can't tell. She's constantly laughing and smiling, <laughs> having fun. Tell me the secret, what yes. everyone can learn from, from women in business. Okay. So, um, first of all, when I, when I started, there were very few women. I mean, almost none. And now there are quite a few. And partly has to do with this family business nature of wine, that there are families and families have women. And for example, the Antinori family, which is, you know, 26 generations of winemakers, the, 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 um, the CEO father has three daughters. So the three daughters are running the business. And so there, there's just a factual thing that there's all these brilliant women around. So some of them are going to become CEOs or managing directors. So that's one change I've seen in the wine world. But um, my own personal story is that, you know, I'm a very hard worker and, you know, I, I did have the, the luxury of growing up in this family and, and I'm always very grateful for that uh, and getting the job. But I have earned my job, Robert, as as you kindly said, uh, and, and I've done a lot for the winery, for Argentine wine, which is my main priority. And, you know, the first thing I would say is that often women are really dedicated to a cause, to helping. So the same reason I became a doctor is the reason why I so passionately work in wine, because I today think that a good business person can help many more people than a doctor can. Because when I elevate Argentine wine, I take Argentine wine from a commodity business to a non-commodity business. And that feeds a lot of mouths. If I elevate my whole region, many other wineries are able to make more money and then they can pay better salaries. They can plant better vineyards. And we are now taking this know-how that we have in Mendoza and my region to other regions in Argentina that are much poorer. And I'm hoping to actually change lives through this, you know, luxury wine business production. So Going back to the woman thing, I think that uh, women often have this need to help people to, to do something that's contributing to the world. Men do too. And in fact, the men that work at Catena are all extremely sort of, you know, let's help the world kind of people. And we attract great people. 
by um, by showing them that what we do is helping many people. And I think a lot of people who work at Cadena, both men and women, are uh, you know motivated to work harder by uh, this idea that we're actually not just selling a product, but we're helping people. So I do think that women often have that side very highly developed. And uh, but I also think that men have that side. And when they work with women, it it kind of becomes magnified. So I love mixed teams of men and women. And in fact, we have a saying, you know, anytime we have a team that becomes too many men and too many women, you know, me and, and the, the management team, we say, oh, you know, uh, let, let's try and, and get us more to 50-50 on this team. Because to me, 50-50 is magic. You know, when you have the, the two energies, you know, the male, the female, I also like difference in age. I like having some younger people, some older people. When you have great diversity, it's just magic, you know, what, what you can do as a team. Uh, so in terms of how do we get more women up there? I think that is a very uh, complex question. So first of all, you need to already have women <clears throat> in top position. So in our winery, you know, in the export department, which is, you know, where half of our uh, money making happens, we have more women than men. Uh, in the production side, we have, uh, I think it's it's about uh, 75% to 25% uh, women. So we have more men than women. So uh, maybe more on the on the business side, we have more women. And on the production side, it's, there's just a lot more people studying winemaking and viticulture that are men in Argentina. So I think as soon as I have more students available, we'll be able to get to 50-50. Um, but I think that the first thing you need to do is to have more women in top positions. Because when women see that, the, 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 the really ambitious women are attracted to your company. They want to go there because they see that, that they might be able to, um, to advance. Now, um, Robert, do you want me to tell you what I think needs to happen for this to completely change? Because I, I have an opinion, but it's, it might be a little controversial. Are you okay? I, with I, what, I, what I love here <laughs> is the truth. And I think the more okay. we speak and the more we listen, the more great ideas emerge. Okay. So my daughter, who is 18, has told me that this... That Nicole? You know, uh, Nicola, yes. She says she she thinks my, my answer is a bit controversial. I think that a lot of it actually has to do with equality for men. And uh, my thinking is not, you know, that we need to uh, allow more men to be CEOs, but we need to allow more men to uh, take on roles such as caretakers of their parents or taking care of their kids. And, you know, I think that, of course, there should be equal paternity and maternity care. You know, if in a couple, you know, the man would like to, uh, you know, stay home with the children, they should have the right to do that. Uh, I had once a moment at, at the winery where um, a, a man, one of our employees, said to their boss, I, I was standing there, hey, I need to go home because, um, you know, I've been called by the school. I need to go pick up my kid. And the person asked them, where's your wife? You know, I was obviously horrified, but I tried to, you know, do a little education at that moment. You know, that is not the right question. You say, of course, you should go pick up your child. You know, uh, obviously your wife is doing something else, you know, but I think that until um, there's really a, a societal understanding that, you know, these more traditional female roles can be held by men everywhere in the business world in the family uh, in friendship groups i think that's when we will see um more women ceos because to be a, a ceo or managing director you know you really need to be 24 hours available for your business 
And that is not often compatible with some of these other tasks that that women do. And so I think that that when we get true equality in the workplace and in the home between men and women, that's when we're going to see a real change. And there you have it. The 50, 50 <laughs> I, the final question is, is your website. So anyone who's interested in be it, get your books like Gold in the Vineyards or mm -hmm. Get any of your wines. Yeah. What is the website to go to? Okay, so I have also a new book called Malbec Mon Amour that is illustrated book about Malbec. So if you're a huge Malbec fan, get this book also. Um, it was a bestseller in Argentina, but we have it in French, Spanish, English, and Portuguese. And in terms of our wines... Our website does not uh, do direct sales because, you know, in the U.S. especially, there's this three-tier system. So we couldn't sell direct from our website like a California winery, for example, could. But you can go anywhere in, in your uh, uh, town and go to any uh, wine store and say, hey, can you get me some Catena wines? And if they don't already have them, which most major wine stores have one of our wines, they can order it for you. But some uh, places where you can find our wines are Total Wine has our wines and they're, you know, pretty well distributed. We even have wines at Costco, at Safeway and and a lot of little small, um, you know, stores, which, you know, to me, the the, the wine world is, is kind of like the book business. You want to support your local small store because they you have a person there that knows your taste that you can go and ask them lots of questions. Um but we are sold pretty widely around the United States and the world. Uh, I often have people send me, you know, the other day I got somebody from Iceland, you know, they were at the airport and they were drinking my wine. And I was so excited that somebody in the airport in Iceland was drinking my wine. So, yeah, you can drink our wines any, almost anywhere in the world. That is great. And, and, and John, our... Um... Our chief radio engineer, he's been to Iceland five times. It's his favorite place. Oh, my so God. So I'm going to tell him to do yes. that, <laughs> to drink Catena wines in the yes. Iceland. Yes. So anyway, uh, I, I want to thank you so much. It is really a joy. You have, I could tell, you have a heart of gold. You have a passion. But more than anything, if you talk about being a CEO, a managing director or anything, what you have is true authenticity. And that is the number one thing to have if you want to be a great leader. Thank you. Thank you, Robert. That's a great compliment. <laughs>